Is that what I'm saying? Rough Trade Radio. 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 And welcome back to the Rough Trade Podcast. This week, really excited to bring you an excerpt from our evenings celebrating Ripped and Torn, one of the first and most influential punk fanzines ever published. That's coming up in just a bit, but I've also managed to squeeze in some new releases and events either side of this. So without further ado, we're going to go straight in with an EP that features in both the UK and US top four new releases this week. So seesawing between post-punk and its insomniac twin sister disco, Public Practice are a New York DIY four-piece who have just released their debut EP. This is available on Rough Trade exclusive deluxe vinyl, including a bonus flexi disc. We think they're funky as hell, so check out this track. This is Bad Girls. public practice and bad girls next up and a new release and album of the week in our uk stores got no shadow was the triumphant 1998 major label debut from mary lou lord it's just been remastered and made available on vinyl for the very very first time um in fact rough trade and fire records have teamed up to produce an exclusive purple vinyl edition which is fairly delicious um 300 copies of delicious in fact it was a really really big rough trade shop's favorite when it was first released 20 years later then and we still adore it so here's a favorite this is lights are changing
That was Mary Lou Lord. And for all our other new release picks in both the UK and the US this week, head to roughtrade.com and hit new this week um, at the top of the page to explore titles and all of the formats that those titles come on. So Tony Drayton began punk fanzine ripped and torn back in 1976. Coincidentally, the same year, the very first Rough Trade shop opened its doors in West London. Ecstatic Pete's Library are the publishing company co-founded by Thurston Moore, and they have recently reproduced all 18 issues in one amazing book called Ripped and Torn. Um, and as you probably heard or indeed maybe even attended over the last couple of weeks, we held events at Rough Trade East, Nottingham and Bristol celebrating this publication. So dubbed Ripped and Torn Fest, these evenings included a very special Q&A with Tony D, led by Thurston Moore. And I'm really, really excited today to play you the recording of the Q&A that we did at East. Back to you on the show. Um, I mean, I sadly couldn't make this evening. So hearing this back was really, really cool. And I've added a few tracks in that I think kind of complement what Tony and Thurston are chatting about. And obviously the incredible wave of music um, reflected in the fanzine. So here goes, leading in with The Damned and New Rose, this is Ripped and Torn. Is she really going out with him?
first started Ripped and Torn in 1976, um, you were all of 17 years old? Just about. Yes. Yeah, 17. Okay. Um, you, go to, you go to London and see The Damned, and you, just, and you meet Mark P., who uh, had already done Sniff and Glue fanzine, which you had heard about. How did you hear about this? I heard about it through the, the music press. And they used to review it, I think. They mentioned so it. So what music press is this? Or that would be the New Music Express, Time yeah. Sounds, and Melody Maker. And you saw some word of this things happening in London and you were intrigued. That was it. Very, very intrigued, yeah. yeah. like another dimension to me. That Yeah. I've, on my um, commute into work in Glasgow, from Cumbernauld to Glasgow, reading this music press about all this wild stuff happening in London. Are you talking to any uh, anybody else in Glasgow, like friends? Like, have you seen this? Let's do this. Are there people... Uh, feeling the same thing as you are, like this curiosity? Yes, but they weren't as curious. They not weren't as, as curious. Not as curious, no. They, yeah. they kind of liked a bit of the David Bowie, the Roxy music, that kind of stuff. And were you into that as well? Into that as well. That kind of was yeah. the, the gateway Yeah. into this kind of weirdness, dressing right. up. I think dressing up was a major thing. So when you come to London um, on that first journey, you're alone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they were interested when I got back. Yeah. Right. I did my journeys to London and back. And then, you, you then, went specifically to see a gig? To see it, really. What was mm. it all about? What was this thing that they were calling punk? Yeah. Well, where did you go? I mean, London's a rather large uh, you know, geography. So I think King's curious. Road was mentioned. Then we went to Sex Shop yeah. and uh, was shocked by the prices. But I may, <laughs> <laughs> as a, a young Glasgow boy, it wasn't... Uh, did you buy anything? No. <laughs> I, to my regret, no. To and my regret, no. I couldn't afford anything, but I was glad it was there. I went going there was like a, a pilgrimage in a way. Did you see a gig? On on the first time that time, no, not that day. I think um, it was the second time I saw a gig. So you just came and hung out. You just, just like, hung you out. kind of walked around and you and what did you see? Did you see punk rock? I mean, because this is when this is early '76. Yeah, then punks weren't the sort of leather jackets and studs and Mohicans. It wasn't so clear. It wasn't so obvious. Right. But there was um. I saw some sniffing glues on sale, right, and um, some weirder records, some bootlegs and things which I'd never heard of. But there were no real records out. I mean, the only records that were out were like New York records. Yeah, I think it was Stooges. I think I saw a Stooges bootleg. Yeah, and like Patti Smith's horses and these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you go to Rough Trade? Because Rough Trade opens in February '76, I think. Rough Trade were at the the Damned gig. They had a little stall there. It was the first time I'd heard heard of them. I think the stall there. A very small, small scale operation then. And so you go back to Glasgow and, and you do you sort of spread the news like this is what's happening in London? Um, or do you just turn around immediately and come down and see a gig again? I think I turned around immediately and came and saw a gig. This time I was like, I'm going to see a band. Yeah. And that was The Damned. That was The Damned. And that's where you you meet Mark P from Sniff and Glue. Yeah. I think you told me that you were really kind of like um, very curious to see this fanzine, which was sort of the er fanzine of punk rock at that time, which was the only one anybody was, was talking yeah. about. And you were somewhat taken aback that it was basically just one s- 
um, staple, staple yeah. kind of three-page, single-sided. Yeah, I think it wasn't so revolutionary. The the writing it was very much reviewing the gigs. Mm -hmm. The writing, like a music press, it wasn't sort of get out in there and do a little bit of get out there and do it, kids. Right. But a lot of it was kind of editing the hot rods. This is what they play. They played live at the marquee, and yeah, I thought, oh, this is not. There's yeah. pictures of you in this book uh, early on when you're sort of starting Ripped and Torn, and you you look amazing. You have this kind of like um, wonderful kind of white hair that's like sticking up, and um, in your in your sense of uh, fashion is is amazing as well because you're just you, you are wearing Ripped and Torn clothes, not too unlike what you're wearing right now, <laughs> but uh, bit more bit more hair. Is that something that you kind of um, were already there with, uh, or did it was it kind of like did you immediately like become a, a punk 1976 or were you or were you already kind of bowie-fied before that i mean because I, I don't i've never seen any photos of you before no i think I had, in glasgow i had black nail varnish that was kind of before the punk rock then there's a little bit of attempting a spikiness but mm. my hair was not very good to spike it was very bushy were you a glam child more kind of glam but yeah. as glamorous as you could get in glasgow <laughs> which wasn't very glam right right but i think when i came to london when i moved to london that was almost like a a butterfly emerging mm. that people have said I sort of discovered all these clothes on Portobello secondhand market selling really weird glam punk sort of clothing mm -hmm. and I just changed into all this, this glam and skid kid as well and we started dyeing our hair yeah. um, and people just said it's just saying we just became that look and when you uh, so you see the damned and you and you decide to sort of like make your own fanzine what I mean what was what really um, physically made you like get on your hands and knees and start cutting paper and and, and creating like a this the template for your first fans i think to show mark perry's mark p said go back and do your own fanzine because you said, wanted to work for him i just said oh can i write about what i'm seeing i love in all this stuff can i write yeah. about it because go go back to glasgow and and do your own thing right and so i thought i'm gonna show him was he polite in his in his manner he's probably yeah. a bit more <laughs> forthright than i'm saying it now yeah <laughs> but he meant well and there's a bit of a scene up there with uh, people like Sandy Robertson, who uh, had already, um, I, I think Sandy Robertson already sort of had some kind of history with writing about um, radical music like the Velvet Underground and such and being on the radio. I think he had yeah. done some, some radio stuff for Radio Clyde, but is the Ripped and Torn 2, we'll just jump ahead a little bit to Ripped yeah. and Torn 2, when uh, it's happened because the, fan, the record shops in Glasgow are saying to me, when are you going to do another, another copy? Mm. Um, because I had sold a hundred around the, uh, the the small shops, they sold out. I don't know who was buying them. Right. Uh, um, and then I saw an advert up in the one of the record shops saying band members wanted for bands of like Velvet Underground, The Stooges, William Burroughs, and a whole list of films and obscure references. So I thought, okay, I phoned, the num phoned up the number on it, and it was uh, Sandy Robertson living in Paisley. With uh, when me and Skidkid went out to meet him, and we met Alex Ferguson as well, and they were very much into this they're 10 years older than me and skid kids so they were in their 20s mm. uh, and they had done they had tried some experiments alex had had a little single out by himself he did he had a single what was that? Oh, i can't mean he played it to us really and the little obscure label it was kind of poppy poppy as i remember rightly if anyone knows what that single is they there'll be quids in there's probably one one copy right. made but uh, they um they never formed that band. We interviewed them for them. We called them the Nobodies. They called themselves the Nobodies. Um, 
Glasgow's first punk band. Glasgow's, as far as we knew, yeah. as far as we knew, we had ripped and torn and we had the nobodies. Yeah. We had a scene, man. Yeah, yeah. This is it. We're ready. Yeah. And then they, <laughs> they moved to London shortly after that issue came out, which is uh, left us high and dry again. Now, did you bring your issues of ripped and torn? Like the, well, the first issue you bring to Rough Trade and they, and they sell it out and then they write to you and say, they, we need more. Uh, well, uh, I sent one copy down yeah. and uh, they said, oh, can we have 200 copies, please? 200 copies. 200 copies, first order. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then, then Compendium Records uh, Bookshop yeah. also said, can we have 200 copies? So you needed to come up with 400 copies 400 of, copies. of a fanzine that you only had. I made 10 copies and that was about <laughs> it. Just, just to, and I'd, I'd made those copies by photocopying them on my office's uh, photocopier, which is right. some miracle machine I'd, from the future, as far as I was aware of. Yeah. I'd never seen these things before. And so I abused it. But... Well, there's no way I'm going to make 400, uh, four, was it 4,000 sheets? Yeah. Sneak them down. And so I had to get them printed properly. Well, right. I found a printer in the, in the yellow pages, went to him, and he said, well, I can print this stuff, which amazed me. I thought he'd laugh me out of the room. What's yeah. this rubbish? Um, he said, oh, yeah, I can do this for you, but um, you're better off using the offset litho machine, whatever that was. Yeah. And then um, he said, I can do but it has minimum order 500, which is why I got the 100 extra, which I sold around Glasgow. And when Rough Trade asked for more, the shops asked for more, I thought, let's just do another one. Let's do number two. That's, that's enough. Number one's done. Were you so. physically bringing them down yourself or were you posting them? That was posted. Yeah. Oh, really? Posted. Later on, it would be Red Star, which uh -huh. is a kind of a ancient method we used to do. You take parcels to a railway station and someone would collect it at another railway station. It sounds like something out of the, the past now. It, it was. Did you have, um, were there... Uh, your, your design of, of, of these first two issues, which are just fantastic. I mean, they're, they're just super like bedroom kind of layouts. But this energy, this, this vibe, I mean, what was informing you at this time? Um, because it is really sort of like ground zero of this aesthetic, you know, of being ripped and torn. And, I think the, and, the, and the name as well. Like, I'm kind of curious, like, I'm going to call it ripped and torn. Was that like an instantaneous flash or did you belabor any of this? It, it was an instantaneous flash, yeah. but I think there was a background to it was the Man Who Fell to Earth, David Bowie's Man Who Fell to Earth, which is very influential. I went to see it every day for the week it was on in Glasgow because I'm a bit of an obsessive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and one of the characters in there was called Rip Torn. And I think that stuck in my head. And so it was rather than be Candy Clark, it was Rip Torn. Yeah. And um, you did most of the writing in these first few issues. That's obviously. right. The Skid Kid, you can see a Skid Kid in there. And um, Sandy wrote some stuff as well. Yeah. Issues too. Um, but mainly it was me then um, also sitting there with all the piles of paper and the, and the stapler. That was pretty much me. Can I read one of, a little bit of your writing here? Um, I'm, I'm going to read a, a, a single singles review by you. Is it sure it's by it, me? It's by Tony. That it's by like Tony. Me. I was born with a sneer on my face. Yeah, that's D. me. I think that's me. This is page five of, I think, issue three. Right. And uh, this is before you moved to London. Yes. You're still in Glasgow. I think the next issue, you you relocate. Number four is kind of halfway house. Yeah. And number five, actually, definitely in London. And you're reviewing Spiral Scratch, the oh. first record by the Buzzcocks in 1976. After the Sex Pistols' Anarchy in the UK, this is the most important single release from the new wave. Because no boring record companies would touch them, the Buzzcocks gave the old farts the finger and bypassed the whole record machinery of hype promotion and formed their own label, New Hormones. And now we have their first release. No compromise is the only way, and don't ever forget that, 
or he may as well stop this whole thing right now. About the record, it's fast, of course, and a production credited to Martin Zero, the usual cliched revolution, boring life, no escape from the dead-end street type stuff. My favorite track is Boredom, but the other tracks are all good stuff. The total playing time is 10 minutes, so you get a lot of music for your money. All the tracks were first takes, apart from Breakdown, which was a third take. But like I said, this is an important stand against the established order of things. And if this sells well, then it's a small step for the Buzzcocks, but a giant leap for mankind. I'm not exaggerating here. All of you out there shout, shouting for anarchy and, and an alternative society, do something positive and buy this fucking EP. Price, one pound. It is available from New Hormones, 182 Oxford Road, Manchester, M13, 9GP, or Rough Trade, usual address, plus any record shops with the sense to help us new waveites. Buy it today, or you'd better not stop bleeding for a new society when I'm around. <laughs> Incidentally, I never got one free. I bought my copy from Rough Trade, so I'm no fucking hypocrite. Are you? <laughs> Sounds fair enough. I stand by every word. Ba-dum-ba-dum. 
There's a lot more. In, there's a lot more in this book. It's 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 interesting because you do re- relocate to London um, soon thereafter for I believe ripped and torn four. I think I think four is it four, late seventy six or early seventy seven. We've gone into seventy seven now. Yeah. That's probably about March seventy seven. Right. I think number four I wrote in Scotland, and then I sold it. I went to travel down with it in the box. Yeah, when it arrived in London, I was there with it. Now are you? Are you, in your lifestyle in Glasgow, are you, are you are you living with family? I mean, you're yeah. a teenager. Still living with a family. So are, is your family um, uh, happy about this news of you sort of uh, going down to London to edit a punk fanzine? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I mean, if that's I too didn't personal. Care. You don't have to answer I that. Didn't really. I didn't oh, really care. Oh, you didn't care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, that, that was my sister. By your the sister's way. here. Two of them are here. Uh, that's fantastic. You thought it was great. So you were really supportive of the fact that he was going and sort of striking out into the, the new wilderness. That's, oh, that's really sweet. That's amazing. Yeah, corrupted oh, the whole family, yeah. <laughs> I'm no hypocrite. <laughs> that's so cool. I don't know. Well, anyway, so so you come to London in 77, and um, you, you live in a, you move into a, a squat that's that it has something to do with rough trade. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of the rough trade employees lived in this squat. It's a squatted pub on, off Portobello Road. And they said, oh, you've got space to live here. I mean, I first came down, I came and stayed with Sandy Robertson and Alex Ferguson, who are in a bed sit in Wilson Green, which is a bed sit. There's two beds in a large room, mm-hmm. a shared toilet down the hall. And I slept on the floor, so three of us were packed into this little tiny space. So within a week, I was moved, I'd moved to rough trade, this rough trade squat. And two weeks later, Sandy and Alex moved in with me. Yeah. And Sandy was also doing a fanzine called White Stuff. Yeah, he started that from that squad. Which was primarily a Patti Smith uh, fanzine. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Incredible. Um, Very obsessive. A quite deep nerd. Yeah. Now, White Stuff was really, um, was, an, was, was an amazing uh, thing to find uh, for Patti Smith fanatics in the late 70s, that there was this fanzine from London that was just dedicated to her and it was called white stuff and the couple of issues i've seen are just so they're 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 very cool because they, they sort of do have the same aesthetic that uh, as as ripped and torn it away where it is on your hands and knees cut and paste uh, uh zine yeah i think we're doing yeah. we're doing them at the same time probably in yeah. the same room yeah using sharing the same scissors and glue <laughs> so this first issue you 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 produce in london issue number four um you start getting some feedback. You get, you're getting letters from people who are who are becoming uh, readers of your of your zine, regular readers. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So becoming important people are saying, "This is great. This is changing my life. This yeah. is re- really ca- great." Carry on, which must be encouraging. It's encouraging, also a bit scary, because at some point you say the early stuff, you're just sort of drawing this stuff, and it's wild, and you don't really think about anyone reading it. You well, you print, letter, you, you, it. you print a letter from uh, Sophie at Glitterbest, which is the Sex Pistols representation in Oxford Street. But you also, there's a letter in here from uh, from somebody who signs it anonymous, you know who. And so, maybe, do you know who this is? It's a very short letter. It goes, long live Tony D. Never mind that daft Mark P. Ripped and torn's the best. It beats sniff and glue and all the rest. Although London's so far away, I think of him every day. He is the greatest punk to me. Long live Tony D. Hey. Who is it? Is that you? Is that your sister? <laughs> no. no. 
Oh, see, uh, it says you know who. I was like, I've always wanted to ask you, like, who, who, who knows who? Who is it? It's probably someone in Glasgow who, <laughs> uh, probably a woman in Glasgow who wished I hadn't moved away. <laughs> and so, um, you, you, at some point, you sort of connect with Genesis Peorage, who is uh, kind of nearby, and I think he's sort of in a nearby squat. Uh, correct, correct my. Uh, yeah, he wasn't nearby, but Mark P. You, uh, kind of new Genesis, and they used to Mark P used to come around the house. Uh, as I found out later, he was there to steal Alex Ferguson for his new band, Alternative TV. Mm-hmm. So he was very interested in coming around. And Genesis was interested in Sandy Robertson, and this is kind of deep nerd Patty Smith. Is, mm-hmm. And Sandy had an incredible record collection of sixties mm-hmm. psychedelia and obscure psychedelic punk bands. And uh, so Genesis would be around with Mark. And Genesis being Genesis, is wherever he went, he just put on his show, you know. Because mm-hmm. obviously people always turn and it'll take over the room and it doesn't matter who's in there, just expand his theories, his policies. And Were you, did you go to Throbbing Gristle gigs at that time? I went to one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. went to one. What was your impression? <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 do you review it? Is there, I, think I, that I, don't, I don't think I do, you know. I think I'd, <laughs> I'd gone to see a band at the Nashville first. Uh-huh. And then from there I'd gone... On the tube to here's somewhere. What's not putting here? It's um, Bedford Street off Tottenham Court Road. Yeah. On the Tottenham Court Road area where the old YMCA used to be. It's in the basement. So I got there really late, about midnight. Um, and it's just this noise, noise coming out of this basement as you're walking down the stairs into it. And I thought, what is, what is this? And it, was, it took a while, it took about 20 minutes to realize it's actually a song. <laughs> I think it was Slug Bakes. I'd, I'd, we had the album. We had his first, second yeah, yeah, yeah. report. So I kind of knew, knew the tunes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, eventually you could find the words in there, this noise. And it's obviously an improvised version of these that went on for maybe an hour and a half. But it was it was something. I didn't go again. <laughs> your, your interest in, in, in punk rock and in, in, in the issues of Ripped and Torn, it's, it's very much about the energy music. It's very much about uh, Buzzcocks, Sex Pistols, Clash. And you love this. You take umbrage with um, with more sort of studied uh, music. I mean, I know that you you give a complete withering review of the first television album because you think it's just like boring guitar solos. Yeah, and then yeah. you call the Talking Heads sound like a sound like ABBA on a bad day uh-huh. and these kind of things. So I'm a little curious about that. Like you you weren't really into um, uh, for better word art rock so much as opposed to sort of like the more sort of primal. Um, punk that was happening at the time. Yeah, I think the prim- yeah, primal sort of the, the choppiness, the choppiness and energy. Mm-hmm. I think this, the television sort of drifted into this. Every time it sounded like it go off somewhere, like Marky Moon, for example, yeah. it drift off into this kind of um, kind of hip- it's sort of hippieish to you. Hippie, hippieish yeah, yeah, yeah. to me. I think when you heard the Heartbreakers and Richard Hell, realized that's what Tom Vavani should have been sort of stuck with those guys. Yeah, because he was with bands like that, and he was with some of these people. Um, and that, that was what he needed to me. If I went back now, I'd say, to Tom, don't leave Richard. Yeah. <laughs> the voidoids is the way future. The television's a disaster. The, f- the first Thank you. Fr- <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Tom's here tonight. <laughs> Yeah. 
Respect you kind of changed your uh, your your perspective on some of this possibly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I like talking heads, care. A, talk, talk heads a bit more, but don't tell me I still I still can't grasp Marky Moon. Still can't grasp that album. Actually, the second album, which people thought was worse, I actually preferred it. Oh, you went, preferred the second album. It went more into kind of improvisation. That's, you're a true punk. You're a true punk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> against swimming against the tide with poor old Tom. I think there's something in here about the first Richard Hell uh, uh, EP. Um, where I guess Sandy plays it for you and, and he writes about it and he says like, oh, Tony thinks it sounds like bad disco. You know, is it short as um, Richard? I, I, yeah. You know, I've, I've read this a few times so, <laughs> as, as the editor. Um, no, but it's, 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 it's wonderful because you're, you're, it, it is, it's just complete energy writing all the way through it. And you're so young. And, and at some point you can see Tony D Kind of growing up in, in in the subsequent issues, you become a bit more sort of politicized, um, and you kind of discount certain uh, icon iconography that's in the punk movement, and you take umbrage with it. And I'm kind of curious about that sort of enlightenment that you 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 may have had at that time. Yeah, I think li living in that squat with people, with older people like Sandy and Alex, and some of the rough trade employees, some of the books that were around. They had lots of fans, lots of fans. Uh, hippie magazines, the Oz and the IT all piled up in the basement for some reason. And I sort of, it had a sort of secondary education in there, as well as going out seeing bands like the Lurkers or the Adverts. I'd come back and read all these Ozzies or 
some book about the Kabbalah or just I'd, I'd also blame drugs for this. I might stay up for three nights reading six books. Yeah, but you're in a you're in a bit of a university. Uh, yeah, 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 it was a very op open university. Uh, yeah. Um, and that changed. Obviously, I learned so much more, and it's, everything was just changing around me. Mm -hmm. and, and I was just saying, I was getting my own voice, finding my own expression, getting more confident yeah. in having a, an opinion. And uh, so yeah, there's, it, there's a few essays in, in, the, in the later issues where you're just like, hold on a second, and you kind of you you do sort of you you kind of re um, reexamine some things that have been important to you. Yeah, there's some of this, the swastikas. Why I don't wear swastikas anymore. Well, yeah, that's, a good well, that's you know, to your to your credit. <laughs> You're going to find um, it in the book. I can't remember the quotes in it, but it's yeah. pretty. No, but there's a wonderful piece in there about that, and yeah. it's like it's really it, it's really significant. Because when Dorothy was talking about Adam's swastikas and things like yeah. that, it was more part of it in a kind of comedy way than uh, people realize now about looking back on it. Yeah, and Sid Vicious's swastika on his T-shirt, there was more use of it mm. in a kind of comedy manner, cartoon manner. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, uh, like the swastika armbands that you'll see Susie mm. wear sometimes in the old pictures. Mm -hmm. There was kind of reasons for these. This is that sort of shock value was still there. We're not quite sure what we, were, what we were trying to do. I think we grew out of all that kind of side of it. There's the anarchy side, the alternative lifestyle. Like we are making something here. We're going to make something work. Yeah. So I think that changed. There was one, since the book's come out, someone's emailed me saying about one of the pieces I wrote, the, the thought pieces, Saying they read it at the time, they read it to their dad. They bought the copy of Ripton and they read it to their dad. And it was Wake Up World. And he said, yeah. he said, This changed me. He said, That piece just changed overnight. Oh, that's good. Changed me. That's good. His dad didn't understand it. <laughs> also, um, I guess uh, Penny Rumbo and, and Guy Voucher from Crest sort of come into your into your world uh, where you're living at um, around 78, 79. That was 78, yeah, late 78. That was a whole new. Oh, explosion. Yeah. We'd had Malcolm, I'd had Malcolm's explosion. Then I'd met Genesis and his whole thought process, um, which is because Throbbing Wilson weren't just a band, they were a whole philosophy. And then I ran into Penny Rimbo, the third messiah, if you like. You know, he's <laughs> a ridiculous word, but these are three people I was lucky enough to meet in my life who really had a vision and a charisma. And a way of going forward, actually, a way of actually working this dream into reality. Um, and I first, when I first heard Crass, it was just a cassette given to me by Small Wonder Records. Went into there into the, to sell some Ripton Torns. They gave me this cassette and some uh, writings by Crass. So I, I had no idea who they were. Like everyone else, I thought Penny was a girl because mm. um, the list of the bands was listed on this bit of paper. Um, so I played it. I thought, wow, well, Penny's the girl. What's who's singing? Who's doing this singing? And, mm. um, but I just loved it. I loved it. I remember going to Rough Trade and saying, there's this great new band, but the music sounds like X-Ray Specs. And then three days later, I went back in and said, I've changed my mind. And Jeff, Jeff Travis going, yeah, not that good anymore. He says, no, the, the ideas are still great, but the, the music's great as well. Mm. It's the most important band I've heard for a long time, since yeah. the Ants. And it, so it did change. So I did yeah. some writing. The, and I do all that kind of stuff I did for the Buzzcocks. Right. You know, this this band's going to change your life. You'll find out. You you came to this gig. I wrote a live review. You came to the band. Came to this gig to paddle. Crash will take you out to, out into the center of the ocean. You've got a sink or swim. Are you with us or against us? The revolution starts here. All that stuff. <laughs> and it started again. So it's great. And, and yeah. All the passion was right back, right to the end, right to the last e episode issue.
um, the passion was right there. And I guess uh, you're you're really huge into um, Adam and the ants, and uh, the two punk bands that run through this um, through your writing that are really um, exciting to you are Adam and the Ants and Wayne County and, uh -huh. and the Backstreet Boys. Who I used to go, I used to see Wayne County quite a bit as a teenager in New York, and uh -huh. so I remember like Wayne County com coming to London with. Um, Cherry Vanilla and the Heartbreakers uh -huh. and all this kind of stuff, and wondering like, like, what what are people going to make of that? And so I never really read too much feedback in any of the, um, I guess the enemy and sounds would sort of write about it amusingly, but it was really interesting to me after all these years to see you as a teenage punk rocker in a squat writing about Wayne County and like how like radical Wayne County was. I think when he came over, he toned all that down, all the the wigs and the yeah. Champs. Dressing up stuff, he came and he used to just go wear a, a hat, a sort of fatigue jacket, jeans. Still right, some, he some, wasn't in drag here. He, no, he, he didn't he come in. Kind of the, yeah, he, yeah. So, so that that would change straight away. Right. Um, he used to hang out wherever you went. He'd be at, in a gig or whatever. I'm trying to think of sort of places you go to. He'd be there and he'd he would talk about Max's, talk about Andy Warhol, talk about David Bowie. Just like, wow, this is like a legend sitting here drinking a cup of tea with me. Hmm. And he also formed the Electric Chairs which were a fantastic punk band. So he had all his um, stagecraft, which he didn't need the wigs and everything for. He could still hold a crowd. He they could were perform. very good. They were, I, I, I always thought they were like one of the best best bands. I mean, um, just as guitarists and all the kind. I mean, they were just super hot. Yeah. I think that Mark, Mark P actually signed them to his label. Is it one part of his um, emporium? Mm -hmm. It wasn't on the step forward, but it was part of that whole uh, group. So... Right. They were, they were playing with ATV a lot. They played actually with the ants at the Roxy. They unbelievable, unbelievable now that ants and Wayne County, Wayne County would headline. Um, I remember one time that Adam had to uh, pay his fee and didn't, didn't believe he was on the stage. I was going in with him and he said, no, you're not on the guest list, mate. So I'm on I'm the band, I'm in the ants. What was it about Adam and the ants that kind of took you? I think the the music was dark, improvisational, but it had this, you know, the choppy the songs were this is power power would roar off the stage mm. adam had this otherworldly persona it wouldn't be like anyone else you saw who would talk to the audience he'd just come on and do his song do his mm. his words the band the band never used to come on and tune up every other band would come on and mess about tuning up he would do, that band would just come on and start yeah and he would come out and do his bit and in the very early days he was very dramatic he used to come on sit out on a chair in the, in the um, stage by himself and then the band would come on around him <laughs> and just start playing, which would be plastic surgery, this thumping bass by Andy Warren. And eventually Andy would kick, kick Adam over, kick the chair over. Adam would spill to the floor, roll, roll around the floor and start crawling around the floor, then come back to the stage, climb up the mic stand <laughs> and just start to sing you've got a face like a labrador <laughs> thank you and no it'd be not, this was beyond the lurkers beyond 999 <laughs> this was a band yeah and they just like that for six months made the whole six months of um 77 yeah. june 77 to the end of that year they were just sensational but no record company would touch them Music press slagged them, slagged them. The Julie, as uh, Maxine was saying, that Julie Birch was slagged them off for uh, being Nazi boys. 
And they, they just they had a massive, massive following. This is a kind of a ripped and torn announce, built up this whole new punk, as it were. Well, you do the very first interview with Adam at. That's right, yeah. That yeah. was after one of these, these early gigs. Yeah. And I saw him. And we arranged to do an interview. I got there, and uh, Jordan was there. And Jordan had just started to manage them. I thought, what's she doing here? Mm. <laughs> um, then Adam came in. It was, it was very early doors. He's very nervous. He didn't really know how to do an interview. Um, so I kind of had to lead the way, lead, lead through it. But he, uh, he actually, one fun thing, he had an acoustic guitar with him, and he got it out, and he said to Jordan, I've just written this song. And he played it, and it was Young Parisians. No. So he played it and sung it. So this is just written this song. Where's that tape? <laughs> <laughs> Probably taped over it to, ta to, to interview the lurkers or somebody. <laughs> you but, leave London in 80? Like around 1980? Uh, I mean, you, you you do the final yeah. issue, which is... I think it's 79. This, this it's March a, 79. It, March 79, you leave. And then I've it's left... It's not really the final issue. Your friend Vermillion does another issue afterwards. Yeah, and, that's um, right. Yeah, because yeah. I was, I was going to go abroad. And Margaret Thatcher had come in at this point in May 79. Boom, and do you boom. feel that? Do you feel like... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Margaret. Glad you could make it. But do you, but do you feel Thatcherism kind of like encroaching in, uh, in 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 England? Is that sort of something that really like makes you want to wander away? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've we've been evicted from our squats, and so I had nowhere to live. Hmm. And it's kind of all came together. I thought this is this is coming in. Is like the impending doom. This is going to become now that this squatting is going to be over. It's going to be the, the hard rain's going to fall, man. You know, as the hippies were just kind of predicting. And I thought, it's just, what can I do about this? So I ran away. <laughs> you feel the music was sort of changing in a way that maybe you felt like you were being disconnected to some degree? Well, the funny thing is, Crass was just starting up. Yeah. And I was running away from that. Mm -hmm. Maybe so I thought, I'll, I'll go and uh, talk about Crass to people in Paris and mm -hmm. Brussels and, and Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe I'll just get away from it all and see what happens. Hmm. So there was great music. So there's still great music around, I think, the crass stuff. And then um, Generation X had just had that second album out. Mm -hmm. I think I've done this. The last issue, I reviewed three albums, and I think they're all, they're all pretty good. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't so saying, well, the music's over. I never kind of thought, well, punk's dead. It's, I never understood that phrase, punk is dead, because it's not what's dead. It's, punk doesn't die, you die. <laughs>
So how awesome was that? Huge, huge thanks to Tony Thurston and everybody involved in putting Ripped and Torn Fest together. The book is fascinating. It's out now and we even have signed copies um, by Tony available at roughtrade.com. So I'd waste no time in ordering one after this podcast. Um, it also looks super, super lush on your bookshelf. Um, I'm actually just thinking back to the recording and Tony's dislike of television is actually my only qualm because um, I kind of actually really like them. Um, I'm kind of tempted to play the show out with a television track. Um, yeah, I'm going to have a think about that where I go through events. It's kind of just come to me, but I think that'd be kind of nice. Kind of balances it. (laughs) Um, cool. So events, and I want to highlight a few in the next week and then some into November. So John Spencer is playing Rough Trade East this Friday and also signing copies of his new album. So that's one not to miss. Rough Trade Bristol, and we've got a bunch of ticketed gigs happening at the store, including BC Camplight, who plays this Thursday. At Rough Trade Nottingham, we've got an awesome Halloween event um, on Wednesday night with Mattiel and Heavenly Recordings. This is going on, you know, one late into the night, special event for Halloween. So if you've not got any plans for Halloween and you live in Nottingham or you're nearby, I'd head to that. Um, there's also two acoustic events happening at Rough Trade West this week. We've got one with Casey Johansing and then one with Ruby Throat. They're completely free entry and it's always really nice to go to an event in that store just because it's so intimate. Um, So yeah, get down to there if you're local to Notting Hill or if you're in London. Um, And then head over to our US site to view listings for Rough Trade NYC because we've got loads of Bowery Presents ticketed shows going on, including gigs from Stop the Light Observations, Lost Under Heaven and Broncho to name a few. I've also got to mention the three audiobooks events that we've got happening in November in the UK. So this is, um, they're playing on Saturday, sorry, at Rough Trade Nottingham. And then on the 5th, they're playing Rough Trade Bristol. And finally, they're playing Rough Trade East on the 6th. So entry for those is available right now at roughtrade.com slash events. Obviously entry by purchase of the album. Um, But yeah, go to our website to find out about those and everything else I've mentioned. So next up, and a new single from Creatures, the Clapton Cowboys, who I opened the show with a few episodes back. This track is called It's Going Right for Ryan and it's another sparkly melodic tune. So yeah, enjoy.
And if it wasn't for Bella, it may not be the case. creatures thank you so much for listening this week i really hope you enjoyed the q a and the accompanying soundtrack as ever i've only touched the surface of what we have in the racks across rough trade so do come and say hi to us in one of the shops or head online to find out more about our picks our events and also what's pre-ordering the year is anything but over and there is a ton more to come so don't go anywhere um of course we've got our end of year list coming up very very soon um but i'll be sharing more of that with you in the next couple of weeks really really excited for that So yeah, thanks. Have a great week. And this is television and see no evil. Bye.
Rough Trade Radio. Reviews and subscriptions help to support what we do. So if you like what you hear, then please rate us on iTunes.